You are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. Well, hey, Resonate, we are in this final week of this sermon series called Nine to Five. And we're really looking at how our worship and our work, how God, our faith, and our job, how they collide. And I hope as we've kind of worked through this, man, there's been some stuff that you've discovered really about how these things are connected together. And that's our goal is that we live a connected life where where this all kind of comes together and we are living in these isolated silos, but we're really discovering how God has created us for our entire life and really the whole person that we are and and really how this works. And a couple weeks ago, Chris asked us uh, just to go back and to list out all the jobs that we've had. And I don't think I've ever actually looked at that um, in its whole entirety until Chris asked us that. And so Paige and I, as we got home, we were just comparing really our jobs that we've had. And the, the clear conclusion is that I've had terrible jobs and Paige has had amazing jobs. And um, I think about um, really thinking about our very first jobs and, and this summer, this, uh, this, through this series, my son Carson got his first job and just thinking about how it's incredibly relevant all of a sudden to, to figure out what do we think about this? And then going back to Paige and I and our jobs, um, Paige had these awesome jobs that are like, um, she was a fragrance model. And so as a fragrance model, basically she was just helping clueless dudes know what to buy for their wives. Right. And so that was, you know, that's a precursor to what, uh, marriage has been. Right. So, um, in that, uh, she got to like, she was a nanny for an OBGYN. And so she would go over there when the nanny, uh, or she, when the OBGYN was on call, and so she got paid to sleep in case the nanny got called out to, sorry, not the nanny, the OBGYN got called out to, you know, have to deliver a baby. And I was like, how do you get jobs where you get paid to sleep? Um, on the other hand, uh, man, I had these <laughs> terrible jobs. Um, I think about my first job. My first job was a job at a driving range. So I love golf. I thought this would be the perfect merger of like work and hobby. Um, but I went to work with this dude. And if you think about like driving range and in your head, you think top golf, this is amazing. Nothing like that. This is like a dude with a field and a couple of lights on some sticks and a mower. And, uh, and so if you think about, uh, like, what do you do to work at a driving range? Um, maybe you've gone to a driving range and, uh, and if you've gone to a driving range, there's this thing that happens um, where this person like picks up all the golf balls that people have hit. And, and if you don't know, like driving range kind of, there's two, there's two modes to driving range, uh, life, right? There's one is like the static you're, you're hitting golf balls out into things that are like, you know, the markers that tell you how far it is. Then the other thing happens is where the excitement really happens at a driving range. It's when the guy comes out with a little cart and when he comes out with a little cart, he's in this little cage thing and he has this, you know, contraption to pick up all these balls. And then every golfer, I I promise you, every golfer on that range at least thinks, I wonder if I can hit him. I wonder how hard it would be. And then sometimes subtly, sometimes not so subtly, 
everybody begins to take aim at the moving target. Like there's, there's something in us, like this primordial urge comes out to be able to say, there's a target, I've got to hit the target. Now, go back to the driving range I started out on. Um, there was no cart, there was no cage. It was me out there with my hands, I would carry buckets out and put them strategically around the, uh, around like the range. And then I would take, and I would chase the golf balls down and I would take and put them back into the buckets. And the guy didn't have a whole lot of golf balls. And so I had to do this a lot. And so I was out there trying to take and put these golf balls into these buckets. And then I would take the buckets and put them into a kind of a barrel. And, um, and I promise you, I'm sure these are good-willed people, but there's a kid out there running around and somewhere in their hearts, they thought, I wonder how close I can hit this ball to him. So I'm out there. My first job was, you know, dodging golf balls. And I never know, like my parents thought, hey, this is a great, you will learn some great lessons dodging projectiles for 425 an hour. Like this is, this is my world. And I think about, um, you know, just how in that place, man, there was this job and, um, and really as I understood work and I understood this whole thing, there was nothing in my mind that connected uh, my Mondays to my Sundays. And, and that's what I want to get into is, is kind of this idea of how everything is connected. And no matter how great your job is and you love it or how terrible your job is, one of the things that we find is that as we look into the scripture, these things begin to get pulled together. And I think one of the things that we've done that is of great um, consequence and has really hurt us is really separate the sacred and the secular, to be able to separate what we do on Sundays from what we do on Mondays. And so I want to dive into this and I want to press us pretty hard today. And, and I think that there's going to be some really cool truths that come out of this, but we're going to look at Colossians chapter three. Now we've kind of hit this as we've gone through this, this whole series, but I want to really do a deep dive and to be able to understand what Paul is saying um, from a pretty significant context. So uh, here's what it says. It says this, Slaves, and this is Colossians um, 3, starting in verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as if working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So this is, this is a fascinating thing. So I want to give some principles out of this. The first principle is this. It says this, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. So this is what Paul is starting us out on. He's, he's talking about family relationships. And now he's talking about this relationship between a servant and a master. So in this, this is forced servitude. This is um, something that we don't see really, in the, at least in an above ground sense, in how we operate in our understanding of job. But I think this is really compelling because whatever Paul says to someone who's forced into labor and how they are to respond in that, how they are to own that, how they are to sense um, really how they're called to be operating this, this is tied to really to how they are to um, really operate for us who don't have to be connected to a forced servant 
context, that we get to choose, that we um, are in a place where really we believe that we are owed something that has not been a historical given, right? We're in a context where we get to choose oftentimes the job that we are operating from. Most of us can move and pivot and we can match our desires to the job that we have. And really we get to have a lot of uh, choice in all of that. And this choice can really skew sometimes what we're trying to do in our job. But here's this first principle is that as a believer, Paul is saying, being, saying to the slave and, and so by extension saying to us who have this choice, but still have this same kind of context of people being in a place of a uh, place where there is authority over us. So in this, a Christian understands authority in the world where oftentimes authority is constantly being challenged. Now, this is a key thing as we understand our role as a worker, our role as an employee. What, what Paul's day, saying is this, hey, this is, this is how you need to understand this. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And that is a seemingly harsh idea. It seemingly goes against really what is common in our culture to be able to say, no, really the, the idea is that we are to confront authority, that we are to expose authority, we are to, to deconstruct authority, that we are to um, think about how we generally push against having any kind of authority and we want to flatten everything. Now, this is what, this is what really Paul is saying. For you as a slave, what you do is you begin to say, okay, we're going to obey and we're going to obey, not just when we want to obey, just when we think it's right, but we are to obey in everything. So this is fundamentally challenging to us to be able to think through what it means to operate in this way. Now, when we think about how we are to work and how we are to navigate um, some of the relationships that we have where there is someone in authority over us, if we are to be these people that understand and live in obedience, I, I promise you that is a gift to those who supervise you. Those, that's a gift to those who lead you. And in this, if we recognize and embrace authority, even though this is one of the most challenging things for our generation to do, in fact, one of the most challenging things for our culture to do, when we begin to think about what it looks like for us to be able to radically say, we're gonna be different in this way, that we're going to embrace this, that we're going to lead out in a way that accepts that position, that respects that position, even, in, even if you don't respect them as a person, that you respect the reality that there is someone who's in a position of leadership. I promise you, you're going to stand out in a world that is constantly challenging authority. And, and this is what Paul says. Like He doesn't say, hey, this is the right thing to do. He says, this is the godly response to authority to be able to obey in everything. And not only do this, so that's that first idea that we accept and we respect authority. This is what it looks like for us to be able to understand how our Sunday connects to our Monday. It goes on and says this, it says, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence to the Lord. So here's this second idea that who we are is to be congruent whether they see it or not. That this is, this is a sense of being a person of integrity. Now, what I want you to get is this, that 
What is done in the darkness will always be found out at some point. That what is done in the darkness will always find its way to the light. Now, over the last few years, we've seen over and over these things that people thought, hey, that was in the past. I tried to cover that up. It always gets out. It always gets exposed. So when you're in a place where you're beginning to say, hey, should I do this? Should I operate in this way? Should I just do this while the boss is looking or should this be uh, connected to the rest of my uh, life and, and work? And it always gets found out that there's always a sense that who you are on the inside eventually makes its way to the outside. And that's a good thing. That is a, that is a helpful thing. But if who you are on the inside is someone with ill intent, You've got to deal with the thing that's coming from the inside and not just try to cover up on the outside. Over and over, I wish I could tell people, hey, what is done in the darkness will come out. So if you ever have a sense of being able to say, hey, should I hide this? Just know it will eventually be found out. And I know that you think I'm smarter. I'm, I, I can cover it up. You can't. You won't. It will be found out. What is done in the darkness will be made into the light. And here's the thing. As you think about the reason behind that, let's say, I know that I just say that it'll always be found out. But as a deeper principle, here's the thing. Your coworkers might not know yet, but Jesus knows. And here's what it says, that you are to do this with all sincerity of heart. It says this, and reverence for the Lord. That the idea that you would be doing things for someone else and you would have integrity in what you do. And, and really the only thing around that would be whether they know or not is not the point. The point is that, that that's going to be found out, right? But in the moment, God knows that, that Jesus knows what you're about. And for you to be a person whose Sundays are connected to your Mondays, it has to be an alignment together. It says this, as you think about um, what's next here in verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. All right. So here's where it, obey, um, do this in the light and do this in the dark, right? Have that thing connection and says this. So whatever you do. So here's a kind of a, a statement that's pulling this all together. This is a core principle. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Now, this is key. As you think about your, your Monday, as you think about your job, here's what it's saying that I think is profoundly different than oftentimes what we understand if we remove God, if we remove Sundays. And this is what is really easy for us to do, to be able to bifurcate those two things, for us to say, hey, this is what it looks like. And we look in the Greek and we begin to like look at what Paul is trying to say. He uses this phrase, ex suke. And this exuke is this, this phrase that means out of your soul. So here's, it says, whatever you do, work at it in the sense of coming out of your soul. <laughs> so it seems like this, when you work, it sh should come out of your soul. That whatever you do, it should emerge from a place that is not just a behavioral place, but a sense of really who you are. It says out of your heart, with, with all of your heart, that this emerges at a soul level. And so our work 
is connected to our soul. And this is what we, we have to understand. This is why our Sundays are connected to our Mondays. Because as we work, it is somehow connected to our very soul. And, and I think this is a part of us being created in the image of God, not just with a sense of being able to say, hey, we are spirit as he is spirit, but also we are creator as he is creator. So this was, as we begin to see in Chris's sermon, this was pre-sin. This is pre-fall that he says, I don't want to give you a purpose. And that is not tainted by sin. Now it's difficult and that's what's tainted by sin, but that we have work is not. And so what happens is this comes out of our soul. This is why this is so important. And this is why we thrive when we work, when we have something to put our hands to, something to labor. And so whatever we do, work out of it, out of our soul. And here's what it happens. This is why it comes out of our soul. Because we're working as for the Lord, not for human masters. So here's why it's all connected together. Whatever we're doing, when we begin to work, it becomes out of our soul and it's not connected to just our human masters. It's connected to us actually being able to work for the Lord. This is where we begin to understand this sense of worship coming in, that we're doing this in a place of service, that when we work, we are in a posture of serving. We're in the posture of giving. This is where all this begins to align itself. So whatever we do, do it from our soul. So there's this, not just this behavioral thing that's happening, but this is us at our very sense of self. Now, one of the jobs that I had um, was a job where I was a gas station attendant. And it was not, again, I wasn't helping men to buy things for their wives and I wasn't sleeping and getting paid for it um, like some of these other people are doing. Um, I was a gas station attendant. So I changed tires, I changed oil, did the full service thing. And, um, and that was what I did for one of the summers when I was in high school. And, uh, it was not glamorous and, um, yeah, it was not, it was not one of those things that I look back on and say, man, what, what a great, what a great experience. But on, um, one of those days on July 4th, um, there was two of us and I had gone in for the 6am shift as a high schooler. I did not enjoy the 6am shift. And so, uh, we were there on the 4th of July. It's a it's a holiday and me and my coworker both said, man, there's not going to be anybody here. Why are we even open at 6 a.m. on a national holiday? So we, uh, we, we decided, hey, we're going to take advantage of this. We doesn't need both of us here. So we're going to take turns sleeping. And so I volunteered to go first. And so I found this place. And um, it was this, this kind of perfect setup. It was this stack of tires. And this stack of tires... Um, had a shelf on one end and a water fountain on the other end. And so I decided, hey, this is this is a perfect scenario. I'll just sit on the tires. I'll put my head on the shelf and my feet on the on the uh, water fountain. And that's like this perfect scenario. It's like made for being a lounger. And so um, so I climbed up on the tires and in no time, I am asleep. The next thing I hear, is the jingle of bells. So we had this door that when the door opened, uh, you know, these bells jingled to be able to ensure that the tenant knew that there was someone who was entering into the store so that they could ultimately serve them. And I look over, I have my eyes kind of slit, um, and I look over and I realize this is not my coworker coming in. This is a customer. 
And so you have that moment where you're like, freak out. And um, so that definitely happens to me and I, and I freak out and I take and I spin myself off of these tires and my feet hit the ground. And as my feet hit the ground, I recognize something is deeply wrong. I don't know if you've ever had something fall asleep on you when you've slept, that, that all of a sudden you are sleeping and as you sleep, it may be like your arm and you sleep on it weird and all of a sudden you're like, I can't even move this thing. It doesn't feel like it's even attached to my body. It's just this extra appendage. That was what happened with both of my legs. Evidently the tire had hit right on the artery and there's no blood flow to my legs and they fall asleep. So I, I, I take and throw my legs on the ground. One of them locks backwards, the other one locks forwards and I fall to the ground. I have to catch myself and get like my legs don't work, right? And so I'm there on the ground, I can't get up. And so I begin to recognize I'm panicking, right? So there's this lady who's watching me um, and, and very perplexed at what is going on here as this man falls to the ground. And then I do the only thing that I know to do, I start to take and I pull myself across the floor, bit by bit, my legs dragging behind me as if they don't work, because they don't work, right? And I, and I don't know what's, what I'm gonna do, but I just know I've got to get to the other side. So I crawl and bit by bit, I'm taking and pulling myself across the floor, my legs behind me, and then I take and I climb up drawer by drawer and finally get to the top of the counter. And the lady says, bless your heart, I'm so proud of you. And like every other person who's been caught in a deep, dark sin, I simply say, yes, ma'am, it's hard, but we get through every day. <laughs> I think about that moment and uh, I share that moment to you, not because it was a moment that I'm proud of, um, but it's the perfect illustration of this idea of the values that I thought I had and then the behavior that I displayed. That if I was to say, hey, falling asleep on the job and then lying to somebody about that, is that who you really wanna be? Is that who you think you should be? I would say, of course not. But here's the thing, somehow I thought, okay, this is who I am. As I raise my hand on Sundays and as I sing about who I want to be, as I process about being obedient to God, and then somehow I get to my job and I'm a different person. Because somehow I don't think that I'm serving as unto Christ, that, that my job is very separated from my idea of who I am as a follower of Jesus. This is what I do and function to get money and this is who I am in these part of my life. And I think that really this is one of those things that plagues us because here's what happens is when we begin to think about these two things as separated, we live not integrated lives, but we live disintegrated lives. And, and what happens when we live disintegrated lives is that we know that we aren't who we really should be, right? That we know who we are and we know the picture of what we're saying that we are.
And whenever those don't line up, that inherently creates shame and stress. That we begin to live lives where it saps our joy because they're not integrated. Because there's this silo between who we are in this context and the silo of who we are in that context. That there's something that we um, have going on inside of us and that's different from what happens on the outside of us. That when we begin to think through this, this is one of those things that across our world, it is well known. Like this is what we see through through all these things related back to people that are trying to figure out um, who they are, thinking about gender stuff. Like the idea is we're trying to figure out how we are integrated together. This is not a spiritual thing. This is just one of those things that we know that our best life, that our joy, that our acceptance, that our lowering of stress is deeply connected when we are unified in who we are. When our Sunday is like our Monday. And this is what Paul is saying. Hey, this has to come out of your soul. That this is not something that is separated. That slaves, you don't, you don't operate in this way, but it's disconnected from you as your soul. That this is actually integrated together. And you might say, okay, what does that look like? Because that seems like it might be very difficult. Here's where we get the source of that. We go on to the next verse. It says this, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving, right? So we are working, let's go back, whatever you do, do it with all your heart, working for, as for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, this is the Lord Christ you are serving. This is the sense of what is being given to us that we received. Again, we did not earn our salvation. It was a free gift. When we think about what we do as a job and the idea of earned, all we have earned is hell. Our way going away from God's way is a separation from all that is holy, all that is good, all that is right from God himself. But Jesus creates a connection together. He makes us into himself by his death on the cross and his blood shed for us that covers our sin and allows us to be brought into unity with God. Again, this is one of those things that we go back to this, this theme of being able to tie these things together, that who we are is a son and daughter of Christ, of, of, of God himself, that we are united. And so as a son and daughter, we receive an inheritance, right? Not something that we earn, that we've been given in that. And that gift to us out of our soul is how we work. And how we work is not as to human masters. We work as to God himself, right? This is what is so fascinating for us is that he's connecting this to the eternal gift of Jesus. This is full integration. He's saying that work is connected to worship that work is worship, that this is how this works together. And when we think about worship, oftentimes we can think about um, singing or this action, but, wor but worship is actually a gift of service that we are giving back. Our worship is being able to say, hey, we give something back. We give something back to you. We are responsive to what we have been given in this way, that when we go to this 
understanding, we see that the act of work is an act of service to others and not a service to ourselves. This is what's profound for us. If we can begin to, to invert that and we begin to think, hey, just like the way that we give a gift of worship to God, if that is connected to our work, as, as Paul says it is, what we begin to see is that our work is a way to serve those around us with our gifts, that we begin to make things, that we are in God's image, a creator. And this relates to how we are seen and it's equivocated to how we worship God in our relationship with God. And so the challenge is that today, oftentimes when we think about work and we think about our job, we primarily see this as something that we are served, that we see that we want things from our job, that it's a transaction at best, that we want perks, that we want benefits, that we want flexibility, that we want affirmation, we want the specific culture, we want the right kind of boss. But what if instead we saw our jobs as something that we gave to, not just took from, and we gave this as an extension of the worship that we give God. Now, I know that that sounds crazy, and you're like, how does that actually apply in our lives? If we think about this, we have received this massive inheritance. It is the most important thing in our life, and it has been already achieved. So your work has to serve a greater purpose. It doesn't have to fill a void in your life because Christ has already met that. It doesn't have to form your identity because Christ has already formed your identity. It doesn't have to be your primary source of, of joy because Jesus is your primary source of joy. Jesus has already achieved all of these things. So when we are finding what is essential in Christ, what does that mean for our job? It means that we don't have to go to our job and try to eke out all of these things that ultimately Jesus should provide that Jesus doesn't love you more if you get the promotion. So that shouldn't have this orientation around your identity. And if you feel like you're worthy or not, your worth comes from Christ. That additional money that you get from your um, pay raise or from your bonus, what does that mean? Is that the thing that's going to give you joy? Is that the thing that you're going to be oriented towards? No, it's gonna be buying something else that at some point you're gonna throw away. What if the point is that you can be a worshiper, that you can give and you can serve your job the way that you would do that unto God? Think about it this way. What we've primarily understood is taking. What if work as worship means that we are in a posture of giving? And we give because we've been given to. Not that we're trying to get something out of our jobs, but we're trying to give something back. Now, if we have this, this kind of orientation as a giver, as something that is serving something, that is serving those around us, that is serving our bosses, there's going to be a few things that we should understand as challenges. One is that you are likely going to get taken advantage of. That if you're in the posture of a giver, that there's going to be moments where you should expect that people are going to be on the other side of you taking what you're giving. And if you do it because they deserve that, it won't be long before you begin to have a very, um, a, a very cynical view of your workplace and your coworkers. It might also be that you don't climb the ladder as fast, that you don't rise up in your company, that you might not pivot as quickly or get to the better pay or the better position. 
It might be that you are overlooked because you're helping other people at the beginning of your career. But I want you to understand there's also some incredible benefits to this. That when your Sundays are connected to your Mondays, it protects your joy. So if you go into that, as Chris said, that 90,000 hours that you're going to spend at your job and you say, this has got to be the source of my joy, you're going to progressively and perpetually be challenged to find joy in every element. You might find moments of that, but it won't be sustainable. You'll go through high times, you'll go through low times. What we've seen uh, in the course of the pandemic is that worker engagement is at an all-time low. Why? Because they're looking at all these challenging things and saying, and it's beginning to be more difficult to find joy in my job. When your joy comes from Christ and you are a giver in this way, you're finding your joy in a different place. Number two, when you connect your Mondays to your Sundays, you will stand out, that you will be different, that when you are operating in this kind of posture, when you're operating with the clarity of being able to serve those in authority over you, when you're operating in a sense of being able to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to live with integrity in this way, when you're operating in a way where you see this as an act of worship to be given and not to be taken from, what this does is, is it really creates a place where you stand out. And, and I promise you, over time, you will be different. You will um, have something that points back to something bigger than you. Number three, your influence will be built not on your personality and not even on your performance, but on your personhood. So here's what will happen that over time, right? Just like things that are in the dark come to light, that things are light get revealed as well. That, that when people are beginning to say, who do we trust? Who can we rely on? They, they look to personhood. And, and performance can change as industries. I promise you, we're in a, in a context where the pace of change in our world is happening so great that no one's guaranteed that whatever performance they do today is going to be guaranteed for tomorrow. But what will be guaranteed is you living as a person integrated where your Sundays are connected to your Mondays, living an integrated life where your personhood is the sense of where you get your influence. Over time, what will happen is this will build just like, just like an investment it will have a greater and greater return on its what has been put out because it's based upon your personhood. Number four, you protect your soul from making work an idol. So specifically for you men out there, our work can be easily tied as an idol to our lives, that we can get out of work what we should get from God. And number six, that we will find it, one of the benefits of being able to live when our Sundays are connected to our Mondays is this is what it does. You find your identity in Christ as a child of God and not just the sum of your labor. That over and over, as you begin to think about your work as worship and you do this unto God, it begins to help you to find your identity in Christ and not whatever happens in your job. And we need this over and over and over. So, as we think about this, let me ask you a couple of questions. What, what's one thing that you could do in light of hearing this, in light of hearing Paul's words to this church, what is one thing that you could do to be a giver instead of a taker?
Is there something that stands out? Is there something that becomes really clear in terms of you being able to say, I can, I can take this action. Here's one thing that I can do to be a giver and be a taker. And to be able to do this in a way that I don't get tired because my inheritance come from God, that this is an act of worship. And as we begin to press into this, one of the things I always want to ask in all of us is as you hear this, what is God saying to you? We believe the Holy Spirit is working in the midst of this moment as we begin to get into his word. What is God saying to you? Then the second thing we always ask, what are you going to do about it? And what's going to be different on Monday for you? Is there something that's going to be different? Maybe it is that you simply say, um, it is the Lord Christ that I'm serving. And you write that somewhere. And in the good times and in the challenging times, you begin to recognize it is a bigger thing. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So here's the reality. Um, we won't find the perfect job. That there's not going to be a job out there that takes and does everything that you need it to do. You won't find the perfect job. But here's the joy that we get. So we have a perfect Savior. And as we connect our Sundays to our Mondays, ultimately we allow our Sundays to affect our Mondays. We allow our Savior to be able to help drive the work of our hands. And ultimately God takes, and I believe that He blesses that. When we begin to see this as more than just our things that we do disconnected from God, but we see this as an act of worship where work and worship are tied together. Let me pray for us. God, help us to be able to see these things as integrated together. Help us to be able to understand how our Sundays are connected to our Mondays and how ultimately this gives us the joy of our hearts, gives us the purpose of our hands and allows us to live the way that you've designed us to live as fully integrated together. We ask all this in your holy name. Amen. Love you. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. If you are a college student in the Northwest, or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting Resonate.net.